Hello everyone, welcome to Anime Echoes, where we look at manga, anime, light novels, piece by piece. We'll be analysing Bakano Volume 2, the prologue section. We'll deep dive into new characters like the crybaby gang leader Jacuzzi, and the violent hedonist lad, and lastly, the themes. We start off with the best duo, none other than Isaac and Mira. These two will always make the reader turn their heads sideways, just trying to grasp how they come to do what they do. In this case, they have started mining for gold upon hearing a legend of the Far East that claims that if a centipede is found in a cave, then there is gold to be found. As always, none of it makes any sense, but that's not all when it comes to these two. In fact, there is a moment far more subtle and far more intimate that involves Ennis. Ennis is a character from the previous light novel and she sends the dynamic duo a heartfelt letter. She states how she feels heartbroken that she was never able to connect with her brothers as they were murdered. The sadness and grief is heavy, but there is some hope. The hope comes in the form of Isaac and Miria. She says that forming a connection with them both has helped her manage through the pain of never having met her brothers. It's a really sweet scene that will hit the reader right in the heartstrings. A perfect opening chapter to really hook the reader and I for one enjoyed it immensely. Let's move on to Jacuzzi. Now we meet Jacuzzi in a bad circumstance where he's about to get his shit kicked in by a bunch of goons. He's crying and wailing and making a scene but despite being afraid we come to find out that he is in fact the boss of a gang. I thought to myself how can he be a boss? He's not intimidating at all. Not only that he's afraid of violence as well. It seems the more we learn about Jacuzzi, the less of a fearsome gang leader he seems to be. Despite hating violence, his group is also hella violent. They do destroy those goons viciously. Broken bones, blood everywhere, knives, you get the picture. In fact, Jacuzzi even creates more violence through his own fear. He starts thinking that the corpses of the goons will rise and attack him. Hearing that, one of his men, Donnie, starts stomping on them and guts and blood are gushing everywhere and now Jacuzzi is screaming that it wasn't what he wanted, but too late. My first impression of Jacuzzi was one of intrigue. I kept thinking how can someone who is this wimpy be a leader? I knew that's exactly what the author wanted me to think, so I, held, so I withheld judgement and I think I was right to do so. Despite Jacuzzi's tendencies, he's quite respected in the gang. They all consider him to be quite smart and rightfully so. It was him who made the plan that he would act as bait for the goons, so he could actually lure the goons in. It was him who warned his gang to run because the family that backs those goons could come and kill them or the cops could come to arrest them. It seems Jacuzzi is quite attuned to contingency planning, which means planning for the worst case scenarios. And in this case, the worst case scenarios are another mafia family coming, the cops showing up and the dead rising from the ground. So two out of three ain't bad. But yeah, my overall impression we get is that Jacuzzi is the brains of the group. In regards to Jacuzzi's gang as a whole, they appear to consist of just 20 year olds. So we can probably infer that this ragtag bunch of kids that also don't have any parents around, like Jacuzzi, are just trying to make it in life. So we do hear that Jacuzzi's mum is not around and that's like explicitly mentioned in the novel so it could be important. Now I might be speculating too much, but perhaps there is a void in Jacuzzi's heart due to his mum leaving him. 
Maybe that's why he acts like a crybaby, because he hasn't gotten in touch with that void and therefore he hasn't grown up. We'll have to see where that speculation goes, but for now I think it's a good point to actually look at. Now lastly, the story moves along to the train portion, and we find out that their goal is to steal from the freight luggage that's in the train, which is um, currently guarded by a certain group called the Lemurs, which we'll talk about later. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see what kind of chaos ensues with this group. Moving on to another group of characters, we get introduced to Goose and Chain, who are of a terrorist group. Goose explains that the goal of their group is to get back Huey, who's their boss, and he's been captured. So the group right now doesn't have a leader. During the speech where he's explaining this, a member of his group, Nader, decides to betray Goose and makes it appear like all the members in the group have renounced loyalty to Goose and ultimately their boss, Huey. When a boss is captured, treason within the troops is always an option that could occur. But not in this case, because Goose reveals a double cross where many members have actually remained loyal and were only just going along with Nader's plan of betrayal. With this plan double-crossed by Goose, we can infer that he's quite a cunning person to be able to double-cross Nader like that. He ends up tying Nader up and then leaves him in the building they were just in and asks the sniper to blow it to smithereens. A large explosion occurs and the building's engulfed in flames. We hear about Goose's expression when seeing the cinders of destruction that he caused, and it's stated that the dark light in his eyes are at max brightness. So we can see that Goose is a person who enjoys seeing violence, enjoys defeating his enemies and seeing them scorched to death. Goose has some similarities when it comes to violence to a character we'll be exploring later, called Lad, but we'll be going through that later. We'll now move on to Chain. She's introduced as always wearing a military outfit and as an assassin. So we know that she's taken many, many lives. She's described as inhuman, but she does seem to care for Huey, their boss. It's implied that she is very frustrated that she allowed the capture to happen. So Chain might be more human than what's first shown to us. We learn more about Chain when her and Goose meet a random woman in the dark on the train. Chain notices that the woman's eyes reflect death and a certain amount of carnage. It's implied that Chain feels some sort of connection and similarity with her, so we can infer that Chain too has seen a lot of carnage, especially being an assassin. I feel like all this talk about how Chain is inhuman and doesn't have feelings and is an assassin is moving towards a plot where she gets in touch with her more human attributes. I'm not sure I'm not sure how. It could be through getting their boss back, or it could be through anything else, I'm not sure. We'll just have to see. Now moving on to the Russo family, where we meet one crazy guy named Lad Russo. First off, let's talk about his uncle. So basically, he's having a shit day because Isaac and Miria stole from them. His family was affiliated with Nader, which didn't end well. And Jacuzzi's gang wiped out members of his gang. So all in all, it's an awful day for him. It gets even worse when Lad arrives. The uncle hates Lad because he is a murdering hedonist. He kills for fun aesthetically. He's freaking crazy. He also repeats himself. He goes, money, money, money. Choke him, choke him, choke him. You get the feeling like he's always on the run or always on the move, just wanting to make something happen. 
we come to find out what he does want to make happen. He wants to run the flying pussyfoot right into the middle of Manhattan. So he wants to get that train and just put it right in the middle of the city. His uncle loses his shit over this, but Lad doesn't let up. In fact, he reveals a gun and starts talking about what he specifically loves about killing. So he explains that the best experience he could have is when the victim is someone who is relaxed, they feel they are safe. And when the glint of regret appears in their eyes when they realize they are not, there is no better ecstasy. He says all of this as he moves the gun towards his uncle and the once confident uncle has now started to look terrified. He doesn't do the deed, but he just wanted to be a dick to his uncle. But from this interaction, we learn that Lad likes to rob confidence, taste the despair of his enemies, and kill. We learn more about Lad on the train when a hooded figure appears and vanishes. When this happens, he is reminded of the fact that he has so many possibilities of bloodshed that could happen. The senator's family is there, this hooded figure appeared out of nowhere. He could run the train into Manhattan, the sheer possibilities entice him. We'll be going through a couple of quotes to further understand Lad. One such quote is, Great, variation is fun fun. So he likes having as many possibilities of variation. He also states, Source is the same, but nothing wrong with several kinds of sources. What I think he means by the source is the same is that the source of his enjoyment is always the same, which is seeing blood, violence, and guts. The source of what he loves will remain the same. But then what does it mean by when he says the source is the same, but nothing wrong with several kinds of sources? I think what he's saying is he appreciates that different people can give him different sources to taste or experience. Each person offering a unique taste. So basically, all in all, there's different kinds of bloodshed that can come from different kinds of people. Though, there is a word of warning from the author. Sources could include a strong poison. So there could be certain people that he may not live from. Certain sources that could kill him. Doesn't mean the sources won't taste good, but he might take him out. I think this implies that Lad's downfall could potentially be his recklessness. We do hear from his uncle that Lad, when working under the Russo family, would make sure he could be as violent as he wanted within the boundaries of what the family could accept. What this means is Lad was a calculating person who always made sure to never pass the edge of a boundary so he had restraint. But the uncle tells us that this restraint seems to no longer apply. He's a loose cannon now, and while it could get him a lot of wins, a lot of good flavours to taste, his lust for new possibilities may lead to recklessness and ultimately his death. The last bit of information about Lad is that he's about to get married to Lua, and that's why everyone of his group is dressed in white. Also to make sure that when the blood splatters, the contrast on their white clothes will create a stark impression and look cool. Lua thinks Lad is the worst guy, but she likes the worst guys, so good for you Lua. 
Anyways, they end up boarding the second compartment. Now that's all when it comes to the characters, but as promised, there are some really interesting connections we can make between Goose and Lad. So we've established that Lad and Goose both love violence. Goose with his excitement over the explosion, his look in his eyes, but it's not just that. We also learn that he likes to kill his victims when they are full of hope. When they don't see it happening, so they can't even register the instance they lose their lives. As for Lad's love of violence, I don't think this warrants any further expansion. The difference between the two being Goose is calculating and wants to kill when the victim is full of hope, and Lad is not calculating and kills when he sees hope vanish from his victims. So Goose does some math and kills his enemies when they are feeling positive about their circumstance, and Lad kills his enemies through sheer recklessness and through snuffing out the hope and tasting the despair. I'm curious to see if Goose's calculating manner could thwart Lad's recklessness, or if Lad could potentially make Goose lose his confidence. In just the prologue, we get a lot of characterization, especially for Lad, and I think the author manages to make them all interesting. I especially enjoy Lad because of how crazy he is, and Jacuzzi because I'm excited to see where his character goes. Isaac and Miriam are always a treat, so I think we have a really good cast of characters so far for this novel. Lastly, let's go through the themes. So old generation versus new generation seems to be a theme. With the old generation representing loyalty and tradition, and the new generation representing opportunity and newness. I'll just be listing various instances where the theme shows up. So firstly, we hear from Lad about a gang member named Luciano and how he's going around killing other gangs in order to remove those who value tradition, and how those that value tradition could be in danger like the Russo family. So off the bat, we have someone who is trying to get rid of tradition. So we can put him in the new generation section. Nader, so the guy who tries to betray the terrorist group, also mentions that due to Al Capone's fall, a power vacuum has opened up and there might be a lot of opportunities that exist. Now once again, Nader might represent the new generation, as someone who is always looking for a new opportunity to open up. But Goose exposes that Nader is just green, inexperienced, doesn't know how the world works, and doesn't know when to stay loyal, when to hold on to those traditional values that have stood the span of time. Goose states that this isn't an opportunity, and loyalty is worth much more. So Goose has the same values as the old generation, but we do learn something that shows us that those who value loyalty and tradition aren't just sitting back, being nostalgic and reminiscing about the past, but they are in fact moving forward with the times. We learn that the terrorist group is the only group on the train that actually has advanced technology in the form of earpieces. So the terrorist group is not just stuck in the past, but a forward-moving force that upgrades when necessary. Another group that showcases this theme of new and old is Jacuzzi's. Jacuzzi's gang does represent the new generation, where they are very green and up-and-coming and they're all in their 20s, but they also seem to be quite loyal to Jacuzzi upon first impression. They respect him and care about how he feels. When Donnie squishes the corpses, he does so in order to make Jacuzzi feel better about the corpses ever coming back to life. 
So neither Jacuzzi or Goose's group cleanly fit in the theme of old generation versus new generation, but I think that's the point. A theme is to be explored, it's not just supposed to be like categorising something. Just like Lad, we need variation, we need depth. And not only that, when a power vacuum opens up, loyalty is tested and opportunity does arise. It just depends on if you make the right choice or not. It'll be interesting to see how this theme is further developed and if the author gives a specific position. Now that's all for the themes. And yeah, overall, I'm really excited to see where the story goes. It looks to be really promising. I'm really excited to see how everything connects, all the themes, all the characters and all of that. Uh, next time, we'll be going through the next portion of the light novel. So stay tuned for that. All right. Thanks for listening.